0: You're listening to Null and Void with Tony Grundy and Andy Callahan, a for the now media production.
1: Blown in on a high rate of knots by Storm Asia. We bring you episode 134 of your number one sports podcast, Null and Void. We bring you the news from 10 different sports, from netball championships to bobsleigh tournaments. it's your contacts, and a superb guest from the world of triathlon. I don't know about you, Andy, but with the storms forecast for Sunday uh, over the weekend, we were going to put up some trellising, <laughs> and we decided, I think quite rightly, after the storms of last night, Sunday night, um, not to do that um, because you one have thing much trellising left if you put well them up that before that? It, it's one of those things. If you have a high wind and a big storm, one of the things you always see hurtling through the air are either uh trampolines <laughs> or trellising <laughs> just hurtling through the air so we thought that was a bad idea and we've waited till today to put that up i hope it survives whatever wind we've still got less um, but yeah it, there is an expression up in the north called nail your hat on which actually translates as somebody trying to rip you off but in this usage here with the storm you really did need to nail your hat on and everything else before it took off. How about you, Andy? Yeah, well, I've, I've spent today
2: trying to explain to my American colleagues what blowing a hoolie means. Right. Uh, I used that phrase on a team call. And those in Houston and, uh, and other parts of the US looked suitably nonplussed as I was using that. But uh, over the weekend, Saturday, I was down at the Stoop watching Quinns in European action. Uh, with last week's guest Billy Carr so good day out was had by all watching the rugby at the ground and then we went and found a local hostelry to go and watch the other games in the uh warm and uh, warm up with a with a cup of tea or two shall we say (laughs) a cup of tea and then yesterday I spent uh, going through the online induction information for the college course I've signed up with through the uh, CMI the Chartered Management Institute so uh doing some more qualifications this year uh, so that should keep me out of trouble for the next 10 months. You, you, must... you, would, you, would, hope, you would hope
1: so. Uh, now tennis Cameron Norrie uh, became the only surviving Brit uh, to get to the fourth round of the Australian Open but an exciting vit- victory he had against ninth seed uh, Casper Rudd That was unexpected, but Emma Raducanu, Jack Draper et al were all out in the third round. And as we record, we can tell you that uh, Cameron Norrie actually lost in his fourth round uh, tie in in a five-set close, very close game against German Alexander Zverev. Uh, And Norrie finally lost on a 10-point tiebreak in the fifth set. So he did really well. And and people said he performed extremely well. He just didn't have enough to finish it off. But good performance by him. Uh, When you look at some of the other uh, games, though, we're now through to the quarterfinals. Yannick Sinner, who's always up there, the Italian, uh, he's through to the quarters. uh, And you've got... um, uh, He's going to be up against Rublev, which will be a cracking match. Novak Djokovic, though looks so powerful, he's just powering his way through. He's up against the American uh, Fritz. Uh, Carlos Alcaraz is also through. In the women's quarters, Coco Goff, tipped by many to win, uh, beat Ukrainian uh, Kostyuk. Earlier, fancied players Svit- Svitvolina and Eva Swiatek had crashed out of the tournament. Svitolov uh, had, had gone out due to an injury retirement Uh, in her match after only three games of her tie in the fourth round. The quarterfinals begin tomorrow, so it's really starting to pep up for that. Mm. Okay, and talking about things pepping up, Rugby Union, a lot going on there with the
2: last 16. Um, Brilliant weekend for the final pool games this weekend. And despite me saying at the start of the season that I wasn't a fan of the new pool format, what it actually meant was that pretty much all of the games this weekend had something riding on them either qualifying for the next round fifth place in each pool drops into the uh, european challenge cup which is i guess rugby's version of the europa league the second tier competition also teams fighting for home ties and places in the round of 16 which is the next round so Harlequins put in a superb performance to secure a home tie uh, when they beat uh, Ulster 47-19 at the Stoop. Really great game of running rugby. Although, Quinns needed a favour from Toulouse and two late scores by them to beat Bath 31-19 last night on Sunday to actually secure the London club a home tie in the round of 16 so, uh Quinza through and um, at home in the next round. Uh, Holders La Rochelle were facing a pool stage exit, uh, but in conditions affected by Stormisha, Ronan O'Gara's men beat Sale 37-24 in Salford uh, to leapfrog them and take third place in the group uh, and book an away tie with South African province, the Stormers, in the next round. So, they've got to go all the way out to... South Africa to continue the defence of their title. The game of the weekend was Northampton's match against Munster. Uh, Saints spent over half the match down to 14 men after what was a questionable red card at best for hooker Curtis Langdon. Uh, The match officials deemed it, and I quote, reckless contact with the knee to the head. I've watched it over and over and over, countless replays, And sorry, the best I can see is head to knee, which wasn't Langdon's fault. Uh, But having been uh, 15-7 down and at that point two players off the pitch because Captain Furbank joined Langdon on the sidelines for a 10-minute yellow card, Saints hit back and Finn Smith really showed why he's being considered as England's 10 for the Six Nations. Uh, A penalty from inside his own half. Uh, a 46-yard drop goal uh, that got Saints within touching distance. But then it looked like Munster had won it again with a try, uh, late try from them before Sam Graham's try nine minutes from time meant that the uh, Northampton team won 26-23. And that's only the sixth time that Munster have lost a European tie at Toman Park. So brilliant play by Northampton. Ironically, the draw for the next round means that now Northampton will play Munster again, but at home at Franklin's Gardens. So because it was all done on seedings and positionings in the tables, where Munster ended up and where Northampton ended up mean that they they play each other again. Um, So, yeah, we we move on. The the round of 16 will be played the weekend after the Six Nations all comes to a finish. So late March for that. So should be some great ties. Uh, Leicester and Leinster will also go again. Uh, so, yeah, there's almost some repeats and uh, Exeter take on Bath. So uh, some some exciting games in the next round. But that
1: will all take place after the Six Nations. OK. Um, football. Uh, there's a curious Premier League solution to giving teams a break. And they, they split it over two weekends where a team, half the league has a weekend off and then half... The result is it, it really is a sort of, well, I was going to use another expression, but a bit of a muddle. And and the fact is that a, a sort of bedraggled feel to it all. But that said, both Arsenal and Liverpool had good wins against Palace and Bournemouth, respectively, and they're at the top. Um, Brentford won against Nottingham Forest with uh, Ivan Tony scoring after 16 minutes on his return after an eight-month ban for illegal betting. Now, who could have bet on that? Sorry. Well, uh, not only <laughs> <laughs> I had to say that. I just had to do it. Anyway, um, yeah. So, when, when you look at it, what we've got this week to follow through uh, uh, on a, after a quiet weekend, really, was Tuesday and Wednesday. We've got the second leg of the semi finals of the Carabao Cup with Chelsea at home, but 1 0 down to Middlesbrough and Liverpool. Uh, two and up at Fulham. So we'll see how that goes. The other thing I noted over the weekend was Women's Super League uh, had a full set of fixtures after the winter break that they did have and last week's FA Cup matches. I watched United's away match to Chelsea, obviously with great interest, wearing my red and white hat. Um, Chelsea went into a 2-0 lead and looked miles better than United, has to be said. But in fairness to United, they got back into the game And they got it to 2-1. And from that point, dominated possession and had a number of scoring chances. Um, But in the end, it was Chelsea who scored uh, the third goal to make it 3-1. It was actually Lauren James who scored. She's having a fantastic run of scoring. Mm -hmm. Uh, And of course, with Sam Kerr out with the ACL injury, um, it was very important. She was pushed forward in her place and she scored a hat-trick. So well done to her. So Chelsea are top on 28 points at the moment, um, with Arsenal and City both on 25 points each, chasing them. So that's looking good. Uh, NFL, Andy, loads of stuff there. Yeah, we're
2: we're down to the final four in the playoffs after a superb weekend. Uh, The Ravens kicked off the weekend, uh, scoring 17 points in the final quarter to beat the Houston Texans 34-10. Um, and then in the game that was billed as the big battle between the quarterbacks, Mahoney's against Allen. Uh, well, is his, uh Kansas City Chiefs edged out Allen's Buffalo Bills 27-24. Thanks to a great performance really by Mahomes, but also by Travis Kelsey, whose two touchdowns were cheered on in the crowd by his girlfriend Taylor Swift. Uh, Celebrity in the crowd cheering him on. Um, That was a cracker of a game. Probably the game of the weekend or so it seemed. Uh, The Detroit Lions have qualified for just their second ever NFC Championship game uh, with a uh, win over Tampa Bay Buccaneers, 31-23. And then the 49ers, uh, they started the final quarter 21-14 down against the Green Bay Packers. Um, and regular listener, Lee Spore, who's a Niners fan, uh, let me know that under the head coach, Kyle Shanahan, the Niners had never won um, when going into the final quarter uh, five or more points down. 30 times it's happened, and they had a naught from 30 uh, winning ratio. Well, they turned it round um, this time. Uh, they won twenty four twenty one 21 after 10 points inside the final six minutes with touchdowns from running back Christian McCafferty and also an interception uh, touchdown by Dre uh, Krenlin, Krenlor, Sorry, So great performance there. So we've got our final four. The Chiefs will play the Ravens in the AFC Championship game. Whoever wins that moves on to Super Bowl at Las Vegas, but is also the AFC conference champions and then we've got the niners at home to the lions in the nfc championship game and then the winners of those two games will play in super bowl 58 in las vegas on
1: the 11th of february Mm, it's fantastic And, and i was reading an article on the weekend about the number of people in the uk who now follow american football it's very much on on the rise and i know they're talking about Super Bowl at Wembley and, and, and so on. So there's a lot to come there, but a lot more people are now following it without any doubt. So, and we will definitely take you through the next couple of weeks. Very closely. Oh, they're all late to the game.
2: I've been following it for years.
1: Well, we know all, know all about you, but not everybody's <laughs> the same. Anyway. Come on, world, keep up. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, next up is netball. Um, something I've become very interested in, in watching superb level, but the Netball Nations Cup is currently taking place. It was at, uh, at Wembley Arena for this last weekend and moves forward to Leeds for the final weekend next weekend. The quad series involves England, Uganda, Australia, world champions and New Zealand number two. Uh, so some great games already. England started by narrowly beating Uganda, but defeat on Sunday by two goals to Australia 61-59 a really close game um, leading uh, and they were leading in the final quarter England coach Jess Thielby said we let ourselves down and we gifted the game to them now England moved forward into, into playing at Leeds at weekend and have to beat world number two New Zealand which would be a big task in itself or face a final match for third or fourth playoff so worth watching if you can catch that on TV this weekend. So cricket, um, some bad news there, wasn't
2: there? Uh, Yeah, Um, unfortunately, uh, two of the top order batters um, from England and India won't be there when England's test tour of India starts on Thursday in Hyderabad. I've been reliably informed that when touring India, there are venues that are bad. There are some that are very bad. And then there's Hyderabad. Um, in terms of the ground. But uh, um, yeah, uh, first of all, Captain Ben Stokes has been declared fit to play by coach Baz McCullum, but it looks like he'll only play as a batter through the series. He won't be risking his knee uh, bowling after he's just come back from knee surgery. But yeah, two of the people who won't be there are England youngster Harry Brook, an India veteran and former captain Virat Kohli. And both of those have left their respective squads due to personal reasons. So, you know, obviously none of us know what that is, but a real shame to for two real talents to be missing from that series. And also young England spinner, uh, 20-year-old Shoah Bashir, who's a really great up-and-coming talent. Looks like he's going to have to wait for his test debut as he's, um, uh, there's been a delay on his visa into India. So he's at the moment stuck back in Abu Dhabi with the operations manager and former Bath second row, Stuart Hooper. Uh, So they're there trying to sort out his visa to get him into India. But I think by the looks of it, it's come through too late for him to have sufficient practice time in the conditions in India. Whilst the conditions in the UAE, the pitches are very similar, very good spin pitches. Unfortunately, I think he won't be there in time, certainly for the first test. So watch this space to see if he gets his debut. But yeah, all that talent and it can be a bit of paper that holds you up from making your debut.
1: Very frustrating.
2: Okay, athletics next. Andy, what have you got for us? Yeah, a couple of things. Firstly, sad news that Canadian pole vaulter uh, Sean Barber has passed away at just 29 years of age uh, from medical complications. Uh, Barber set the Canadian record of six metres exactly, um, and that still stands today. He also won gold at the World Championships in Beijing in 2015. So thoughts go out to him and his family. But a more upbeat story, Emma Maria Mazenga has become the first woman in the over-90s category to run 200 metres in under a minute. So she's 90 years old, um, and she, uh, she's a retired chemistry teacher from Veneto in Italy, and she finished in 54.57 seconds, taking almost seven seconds off the previous record. Although she was annoyed and disappointed, she said at the end, because last year, when she was still in the uh, 80 to 90 category, she ran... Uh, around about 50 seconds so she still thinks that she can go faster even though she's taken the record um brilliantly inspirational so she started running in the 1950s when she was at university and then during lockdown she kept training by uh you remember the italian lockdown was more strict than ours Mm. but she was secretly running around the outside of her house so brilliant uh you know such an inspirational story and she only started training for this race in padua um a month ago uh after recovering from a fractured sternum right. so to do that on a month's training and set a new record for the over 90s um and she's now got a sights set on the italian masters which is in february and then the european championships uh in poland in march so
1: brilliant i mean
2: i I was sat there working out and she's going at
1: sort of basically about eight minutes a mile at that pace yes it was as i was sitting here listening to that as somebody who trots out occasionally most days in fact uh made me feel slightly sick at the idea of it so uh yeah to be overtaken by a 90 year old would be quite something well you've not got that long to go tony till you're in that category (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> Moving on swiftly, let's let's go to uh, golf. Rory McElroy, um who lost in Dubai recently, won a weekend in the Dubai Desert Classic. Uh, and he won by one shot. And it was a great comeback because at the halfway point he was ten strokes down. And one of the things about McElroy we talked about is he very often gets A lead of 10 strokes and loses it at the end, as he did in the previous Dubai tournament. But um, anyway, that's an event you know something about, don't you, Andy? You've been to it, haven't you? Yeah. I
2: mean, I used to, when I was uh, living and working in Dubai, I lived in apartments about five minutes away from the course. You could actually, over the weekend, some of the aerial shots and long shots, you could see my apartment in the background of the uh, view of the course uh, uh, over in Dubai Marina, And uh, one one funny story there. So uh, my housemate, Tim, was a real sunbunny. You know, he he could spend all weekend when we weren't working, all day, lying, both days, lying by the pool, reading and sleeping, topping up his tan to a really (laughs) sort of almost Agent Orange level of tan. Uh, So I said one weekend, I fancied going uh, to the golf because it's only five minutes down the road at Nakhil and it would coincide with my birthday Um, so Tim loves golf but he really wasn't convinced by going to the event and it was only about 25 quid for a day ticket to get in 30 quid for a day ticket really wasn't convinced and eventually I found out why and he said well okay as it's your birthday we'll go I can give up a day in the sun to go and watch the golf and my incredulous reply was give up a day in the sun. They don't play the golf in indoors. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Amazing. Amazing stuff.
2: But actually, once we were there, he absolutely loved it. And the next year, before I'd even thought about going, he was, I've got the tickets booked, mate. So yeah. it was a real turnaround there. Once he'd realized that he, he wasn't giving up a day in the sun, he was actually probably getting more time in the sun by being at the golf than he would be where the, The apartment got some of the shade and everything. But yeah, just uh, I'll
1: give up a day in the sun to go and watch the golf in Dubai. Excellent. Now, just another point about the McElroy win is that's the fourth that, that he's had at that event. And that's a record. So good news there. Another piece of golf news is that Tommy Fleetwood has turned down an offer to join LIV Golf. This comes after John Rahm moved across to Alavie with a view to getting even more top players like Fleetwood to join him. So I, I guess he's turned down rather a lot of money there. But uh, on the other hand, with Tommy Fleetwood, would you argue with him? He's, what, uh,
2: he's a feisty character,
1: yeah. He's a feisty character, I, um, yeah. So anyway, that's that's uh, another piece of golf news. Update on Dodie Aid, Andy. Um, we've reached... Uh, the end of the third week, does it actually go on to the 31st of January? Yep, all the way through. Yeah, don't go (laughs) cutting it off short, Grundy. (laughs) Well, I pushed it as hard as I can and reached uh, at the end of that third week 119 miles so far. I don't know what that is in kilometers, I'm sure you can tell me. In fact, on Friday, I think I overdid it because I ran six miles, did some weights and punch bag stuff, went swimming. And then, because once a month I played table tennis, I had two hours of table tennis on Friday night. I'll tell you what, I was I ran with my wife on Saturday morning to get the paper, and I, I was feeling really, um, I think the only word for it is knackered. Yeah. So, but it, it's no job it started. Sunday paper with all the supplements. You'd have, you'd have not been <laughs> able to carry it. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, uh, I walked on Sunday to get the paper, I must have <laughs> But uh, it's all counting to Doddy and You know, there is that extra incentive, isn't there, to to get out there on these cold days, windy days, whatever. Um, But, yeah, 31st of January, I've got it all mapped out. So how about you? Uh, I'm up to 110 miles. So, uh, again, just slightly
2: behind you. I've not had the advantage of playing table tennis. Maybe that's something I need to build into the uh, repertoire. But, (laughs) yeah, getting into the gym on the uh, gym bike very early, each day, I think 5, 5.30 in there in the mornings to nice. uh, so that you can beat the, the new year, new me crowd that are in for the gyms for the first first couple of weeks of January. Um, yeah. And then uh, getting out running uh, for some of the lunchtimes or evenings. It's actually quite nice at lunchtimes at the moment, where especially last week where it was quite sunny to actually get out and see a little bit of daylight rather than that. Uh, switch the laptop on in the dark, work all through, and then switch the laptop off in the dark. And uh, yeah. never see the daylight. So yeah, it's made a real, real difference. And Tamzin, who is also in our Null and Void League, is doing brilliantly. She's up to a uh, forty-eight point six miles. So great performance by yeah the three of us. Um, there is still time. If anyone wants to get involved, just get onto to 8com 8com sign up, twenty quid, track your mileage. Uh, you can get into the Null and Void League as well, uh, and you also get a tartan. Neck buff for the Dotty Aid uh, support and the region of your choice.
1: Yeah, and and that region for me is the Edinburgh one, and and they're in second place uh, to Glasgow at the moment. So that's also interesting to see the number of sessions and the amount of money that's raised already. So yeah, I think it's, in total, it's it's looking
2: good, just under half a million has been raised um, yeah. across all the regions and across the UK and further further afield. Fantastic. Now
1: you got some bobsleigh news.
2: Yes, yes. Uh, British um, bobsleigh. So, uh, not something that we often say, but we've won a gold and a bronze in the bobsleigh pairs cha- uh, world championships at Sam Moritz. Um, so, Adele Nicole and uh, Kia Placide took gold. Um, they were 0.61 seconds. Ahead of the Belgian team across the two runs that they did. Um, and their British compatriots, uh, Nikki McSheeney and Willa Gibb, got the bronze. They were just slightly behind the Belgians. Um, and Adele Nicole also, then, I'm going to say doubled up, but actually it was in the mono bob. Um, so the single bobsleigh, as well as her gold medal in the pair, she also got a silver in the monobob the single bob event and then another winter sport 16 year old zach carrick smith has won britain's first ever alpine skiing medal at an olympic event uh, he Olympics. took the gold medal in the combined event in the youth olympic games in seoul this afternoon so that's hot off the press that's our first ever olympic alpine skiing medal Good. Zach Carrick Smith. Yes. So there's a name to watch for the future. Indeed. Now
1: there she rose. Have they finished? They're done.
2: Yes, they finished brilliantly. They arrived in Antigua um last night. And what an absolute inspiration. Um, there's some great clips of the team. Get onto their Instagram uh social media for anyone, it's just at There She Rose. Um, and absolutely amazing the scenes when they came in. All four of them stood on the boat with their emergency flares. Great, uh, picture, that. great picture that. That yes, really is brilliant. Yeah. yeah. And again, remember, they were rowing that 3,000 miles across the Atlantic to really um, raise awareness and funds for some great events, uh, great uh, charities around endometriosis, women's sport, children's sport, and also an eating. Uh, charity um really the the purpose for them the four rowers and of course their boat Sarabi uh, named after the lionesses uh is to look at getting women and girls both either keeping them in sport or getting them back into sport so brilliantly done what a fantastic result they were eighth overall they were fifth in the four uh, oars or, class so four rowers in the boat and they were second in the women's class. And overall, they've crossed that 3,000 miles across the Atlantic in 39 days, 12 hours, and 39 minutes. So really well done to all of the team um, with the there she Not just the four that were on the boat, but also the team behind the team. The social media team in the on dry land have been brilliant, keeping everyone updated. So, yeah, overall, just that whole
1: team, fantastic and what an inspiration indeed no it's and, and i do hope uh once she's recovered victoria uh, can come on again because she's a brilliant guest for a start but to tell us about how that all settled down because she talked to us as null and void as will know prior to the event on a couple of occasions she really is an inspirational uh, character and we will do what
2: we can to uh link up with her but give them a few days to Celebrate, recover and decompress, I think, after that amazing event.
1: Definitely so. We'll be coming to our our guest tonight in a second. But first, contacts. Uh, Simon Callard has been in touch. He really is a star in his efforts to raise funds for research for the blood cancer charity Myeloma UK. Simon himself contracted the disease last year. The cancer has no known cure. But Simon strides ever onwards in his fundraising efforts. His latest idea is to walk with special football shirts on, uh, group, getting a group of fundraisers together over a three-day period, with obviously an accommodation in London going through, to and from London football grounds. So his idea is to start at Arsenal, we can talk about that maybe later. They always get off to a fast start. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> and finished three days later at the home of Football Wembley. They intend to visit Arsenal, Spurs. I don't think they'll spend too long in the trophy cabinet room there. Orient, <laughs> West Ham, Chelsea, Charlton, Millwall, Palace, Wimbledon, Brentford and QPR. Great idea, Simon. Uh, keep us posted and let's see if you can beat last year's fundraising efforts, which were magnificent anyway. We'll get you on as a guest in a few weeks and give us a real detailed update. So um, I think really good idea from Simon. We're always supportive on Nolan Void on mm. his fundraising efforts. So uh, off he goes again. He's, he's just no stopping that guy in every sense of the word. Really? Yeah, well okay. not thank you for the, uh, your comments
2: on Spurs there, because he's, uh, he's a big, passionate Spurs fan, isn't he? <laughs> I,
1: I happen to know that. So, yes, that was especially <laughs> for him. Especially for him. Anyway, um, tonight's guest. Now, I want to introduce you to another very special person. You may not know the name, but Tom Mayer uh, is a triathlete who 10 years ago was diagnosed with a brain tumour. But he's raising money for Brain Tumour UK by undertaking a massive uh, challenge, physical challenge, over the next 10 months. It's actually already started, started 1st of January. Anyway, to learn more, let's say hello to Tom Mayer. How are you doing? Hey, very well, thank you. How are you both? Yeah, thank you for joining us. Now, my first question is, what exactly did you start on the 1st of January and then why?
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's a fair fair opener. So on the 1st of January, I started a challenge where I'm going to move predominantly by running, cycling and swimming hence the triathlete uh, link. Um, I'm going to do 10K a day, every single day, for 10 months. And that's Ugh. money for brain tumor research, as you said. And what's the significance of the 10 there,
2: Tom? Because there's a lot of 10s coming in there with 10Ks, uh, 10 months.
0: Yeah, so it is 10 years since my diagnosis of initial first treatment for my brain tumour. So 2014, I was diagnosed, I was 24 years old, I'm living in America. And yeah, I just wanted to do something a little bit unique to mark that 10-year that moment, really. So, so yeah, 10, as you say, 10, 10, 10,
1: 10, 10. So how, how big a shock Tom, was that um, diagnosis at the time? You'd clearly been suffering with headaches and so on for a while, but how big a shock was it to you? It was a massive shock. As
0: I said, I was 24. I was living in America. I was a football coach. Soccer, but it's always football. Um, yeah. And you just don't really think that it's gonna happen to you at 24 years old that you get that phone call and that appointment to say you've got a brain tumor. It's, it. you can't really fathom it. You can't really put into words what that felt like at the time. And then over, the next couple of weeks and the next couple of months when it starts to dine out and realize what it is you kind of go okay this is this is fine let's fly back to england let's get treatment let's get myself sorted and let's get on the on the straight and narrow to a recovery plan and that's that's kind of what i did so when,
1: when you sort of backtrack on that now it is known that that was something that was growing with i mean you're six foot six tall and you were six foot six pretty early in your life weren't you yeah 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 Yeah. so and and i believe you've got massive hands null avoiders can't see you at the moment but occasionally i've seen your big hands and you were a goalkeeper you you obviously had an advantage there
0: (laughs) yeah definitely so they think the tumor was probably with me my entire life very rarely does anybody get a ct scan of their brain when growing up as a child unless they've had some sort of trauma so it's not something that's picked up but it is actually I wouldn't say common but it's not as uncommon as you would think to have mm. some sort of mass growing um around you but for most people it it doesn't matter and they live their whole life with, with by, by never knowing for me I developed these headaches and I developed these migraines and I developed this issue that that kind of didn't go away and it needed treating um and as you say I I I've always been tall. I was six foot two at 13, 14 years old, which is I mean, and then as yeah, six foot six now. Um, you don't you don't really link the two. And growth hormone disorders and, and brain tumors and stuff, you would never think, oh that's that's why he's tall. You would just he's tall. That's that's fine. Um and as a goalkeeper, so being tall was useful. Having big hands was quite helpful. So again, I didn't really think about it as as a problem. If anything, I saw it as, yeah, I'm the only one that can touch the crossbar, so that's going to be handy when someone tries to put the ball over my head and they can't. So
1: <laughs> that's, right. So that's, you, I mean, so from a practical point of view, you actually were good enough to be a professional footballer. Who who do you play with?
0: Yeah, I played for Northampton Town. I grew up in Northamptonshire, uh, played for Northampton Town, fitted between those and 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 Rushton Diamonds and, and, and my, in my younger days, and then went up to Leicester and played for Leicester as well. So I represented Leic- Leicester City for a number of years as well. So um, and then studied at college, got into England colleges, so I was a goalkeeper at England college level as well, which which was amazing to to put that England badge on and and, and wear that. For, for a couple of years whilst I was at college studying as well was was absolutely incredible so so yeah I was I was on the verge I would say is is probably what people would say but but yeah never really had that that push or that bite or that sting that you need as a professional sports person to take it to that level to kind of you know push your way into the front of the queue and go no I'm I'm here and you're not getting out I was never that Ever had that last little little bite but
2: I guess with goalkeeping where there's only that one position in the team it, it, it sort of narrows down the options as well
0: completely and there are so many amazing goalkeepers that I still keep in contact with an awful lot of them some pros some some not and so it, it really is almost lock of the draw with so many of them it's right place right time right scout looking for a particular thing and, and that's it because when you get to that kind of level it just takes that little bit step you know and it's not an awful lot it's that one percent it's that you know minority gains that that get you there that that actually push you through that might be luck so
2: what men took you to you said when you were the diagnosis you were coaching in the U.S. what was what was the decision that led you to going out to the U.S. to coach Tom
0: I was a personal trainer in England I worked for a couple of health clubs in Northamptonshire Oxfordshire and then down in London I just got a little bit bored of it really as a, a footballer as a coach a little bit part-time evenings weekends and really enjoyed that bit so I thought I'm at the time I was 22 I've got nothing time here that looks fun that sounds fun let's have a go at going over there and see and see what happens so I googled Coaching in America. First one that came up, I clicked on it. And 10 days
1: later, I was on a one-way flight out to Boston.
0: That wow.
1: Yeah. So you, you enjoyed your football, but we're now talking about you being, you've you come into contact with us via uh, at the Wallingford Triathlon Club. How What was the sort of evolution there? How did that come around?
0: Yeah, so football obviously has its shelf life. I don't particularly like getting kicked around on a Sunday Sunday morning uh, that much anymore. So <coughs> decided that I should probably do something that's a little bit more nicer to my body, um, I would say. And probably with a brain tumour, they had advised me that contact sport is probably not the most sensible thing to do. So yeah. I, sh- I should move away from that. And I always enjoyed swimming. Swimming was one of my absolute loves as a child um even the five o'clock starts never deterred me I just loved jumping in that pool and swimming up and down and and being in water and splashing around was was great and you get into it a bit more you start to cycle you you know I've never liked running I still don't like running um which is considering I'm running 10k a day now every day but you know I don't think I think I think people endure running rather than like running as much as they say they like running no one likes running
2: you see, I'm the other way, Tom. Having done a few triathlons myself, it's the swimming that I really struggle with. Maybe it's technique. I think we've said on the show before my technique's been likened to an octopus falling out of a tree. But uh, but but yeah, it's the swimming that I find the toughest. The running
0: is like the the reward at the end. <laughs> oh no! You've got to get you've got to get through the run to get your medal. That's why you do it. <laughs> no other reason why you would run. <laughs> but um but yeah and I so I just picked it back up again and just thought let's try this and that's you know I, I stopped coaching uh, I coached for Chelsea Lady the coach for Southampton I coached for Arsenal soccer schools for a little bit and just thought I've, I've I've had enough of the coaching side of things let's pick up another let's keep me active in a different way and let's and let's keep my brain ticking over so let's try triathlons this was back in London and then moved to the area um around here recently over the past 12 months Immediately found Wallingford Triathlon Club and just fell in love with it. the The team are great. The people there are amazing. The whole the whole club is is fantastic. I know they come on here fairly regularly and talk about the things that they're all doing individually, which is wonderful. From the World Championships to Invictus Games to to all the various things that all the club do, so it's it's amazing to be part of them. And and yeah, they're just they're just a great group of people who motivate and and keep you going and on those rainy horrible days when you don't want to do it there's always somebody that's going no come on we'll go out and do something let's go let's go so they're they're a great (laughs) group so what's their reaction yeah (laughs) what's their reaction (laughs) yeah uh mostly madness (laughs) which is a general reaction from most people i talk to when i say i'm doing this but also one of enthusiasm and support i would say there's a lot of people there that look at the kilometers and if you think it's just over three thousand kilometers that i'll be doing in total over the 10 months from a from some of the people in the club they would do that in two months you know they're utterly mad and they go up and down and they you know that that's not a problem there um but for most of us normal people i think it's it's about just doing that same thing it's one thing every single day it's not no rest days no time to to sit and recover it's back on back on the bike or back put your trainers back on or or back in the pool and and let's do some more kilometers and let's go there and i think i think that's where the challenge comes in with it the 10k the distance itself actually when you break it down 10 kilometers you can you can plod that as a run fairly yeah. fairly slowly you can you can jump on a turbo and do some do some Zwifting for 10k fairly, fairly quickly, or go out on the road and cycling. You mentioned earlier how we don't tend to cycle um, in in the winter because it's the one way to kill you. I think that was on a different podcast that you said it, it's it's the surefire way to for death. So yeah, um, yeah. you no, jump on a bike and, and away you go, and that's and that's well, that's what you do. But it's doing it every day; it's that re- repetition of doing it. That's...
1: All right, Tom. Practicalities now. Ooh. We're talking about fundraising here and supporting you. As best we can null and void wants to play its part how do people best do that how do they join in if they like the sound of what you said and would like to contribute in some way how do they do that
0: yeah that'd be great so i've got a there's a number of ways i'm on all of the socials so my instagram is at 10k a day tom where i post every day or I post what i'm doing and i post the updates and, and everything and you can go to my just giving page from within that I've got Twitter, which is Tom Mayer, and then the number eight. So Tom Mayer eight is my Twitter handle, which you can again post and follow me on that one. Search me on Just Giving again, Tom Mayer ten k a day, um, and then obviously you can find me on Strava. Where if it's not on Strava, it doesn't count, as everyone knows. So <laughs> I uh, I'm also posting everything I do on Strava. So again, it can be followed there. And the idea is that the local people around me and the local community will, will will come together every so often and we'll do some 10K runs and we'll do some events together as, as a group to to go from it there. And I'll be posting those on, on socials over the over the coming months when I when I do them and try and just try and get as many people to come along and, and join in and whether they walk it, whether they run it, whether they want to sprint it, then then that's absolutely fine. It's more about getting people together and doing stuff and, and raising money for brain tumor research, because that's essentially what this is all about, yes. My story, my story is, is is very unique, but at the same time, there, there are hundreds of people with similar stories of, of, of mine with, with brain tumours. So to put, it, to
1: put it in context, that's actually really important that any funds are raised. They're always looking to raise more for Brain Tumour UK, yeah? Yeah, that's exactly it.
0: If you think, read some of the stats and, and you hear and you talk to the guys at Brain Tumour Research and they're... And they're just amazing. Uh, 1% of the national spend on cancer research is allocated to brain tumour research, but yet brain tumours kill more children and adults under the age of 40 than any other cancers. So it's that kind of flip round. And yes, I was very lucky that my tumour wasn't wasn't cancerous and, and wasn't that element of, of a brain tumour, but it's still shocking that that amount of brain tumours are, effect- are killing people under the age of 40 mm. with so little funding going towards them to support them. So anything that I can raise and anything I can do to help them will will support them and do that. So that's that's the aim, that's that's the whole
1: entire aim. Now, you you said you're going to most days, unless you're ill, over the next 10 months, be out there one way or another, but you, you made a pretty feeble excuse to me. You said you might miss one day because you're getting married.
0: Yeah, so I've still got to run this past the boss. Um, <laughs> getting married early July unsure whether I'll be allowed to, to to get to take my trailers on the day and go out in the morning but there is that down period in the morning where I don't have to do a lot so
1: yeah that's <laughs> true I, I'm with you I, 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 when I got married all those years ago with Sue I definitely ran in the morning before and partially to get my head round all the stuff that was coming up it it helped calm me ahead of it so I'll 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 generally, yes, I'll I'll think I think you should yeah,
2: I I I did on mine, uh, Tom, as well, and also um, the three occasions I've been a best man. Each time I've gone out for a run early on the day, just again to almost sort of like get set for the day. So if you, if you need two advocates to get it past the uh, minister for home affairs, then uh, Tony and I are more than happy to uh to chip in and help you out with that one
0: my best men will be pleased to hear that they can also come running with me as well then. This is great. (laughs) Thanks.
1: Surely surely be delighted in that one. But anyway, enjoy, enjoy that day in July Mm -hmm. and hopefully we can come back to you at some stage and follow your progress. Would you like to do that? Absolutely. Yeah, that'd be great. That'd be really great. Thank you. Well, it it delighted you're with us tonight, but just because we're coming to the end of, of the interview now, Give us again those key contact details for fundraising, just in case people missed it before. Absolutely. So Instagram
0: is at 10 tom. Twitter is at tommayer8. Both of them have a link to my just giving page within the bio. So that's the easiest way to get to it that way there. And, and, and hit a follow on both of them and, and, and come and join in with me when if you're around the area.
2: Brilliant. Oh. For our listeners that are listening to this, once the show goes out, um, I'll put both those links in the in the blurb that goes on, uh, Inst- uh, sorry, um, Apple Pod and uh, Spotify. So again, people can follow those links uh, there, and I'll put the Just Giving link up as well. So anyone who's listening who missed those, uh, then we'll have them all in the blurb
1: uh, that's on the front of the uh, podcast. All right, Tom. Well, thank you very much for being with us. Delighted to meet up with you and hear of your great ideas. And yeah, it will be lovely to get you back again and say, come on, tell us how you're doing. And he's still married.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Thanks very much. I've really enjoyed it. Thanks for, you. Thanks for your work, guys. Oh, yeah, happy to come back anytime you want me. Good man. Brilliant. Lovely Thanks, to be. Tom. You.
1: See you later. Cheers, Tom. Take Bye care. Bye. Right. Well, what a lovely guest to get. and. What a fascinating story! Professional footballer through to triathlete, uh, and obviously local to us in this area. But what a great cause he's challenging himself with over these ten months through to October. Really enjoyed mm-hmm. that. You
2: enjoyed it, that? Yeah, brilliant. And just that sort of that consistency, the resilience to be, as, as Tom said, getting back and either pulling the trainers on, getting on the bike, getting in the pool every single day for that 10 months so yeah really brilliant and what a great charity he's raising funds for i i i didn't realize that so little funding mm. went into such a a big um you know so when you, tom mentions the numbers there in terms of how how many people it affects then yeah you know uh all the funding and any any support that people can give then brilliant
1: Good. Well, that brings to the close on um, episode 134. Um, really enjoyed it. Great variety of sports again from Bob Slang through netball. Love all of that. Love your contacts. And look forward to being with you at a time and a place, as we always say, that suits you. That's how podcasts work. We love being with you. See you later. Bye. Cheerio, folks.
0: Null and Void with Tony Grundy and Andy Callahan. Together, they don't add up to much. If you have a sports story, you can contact the team on n and v at forthenow.co.uk.